Now you see. Man, how many of you had done that when you were a teenager? Yeah, one. <laughs> I don't know about you, but man, that takes some guts, man. That takes believing in God's going to do something. Amen. Amen. And I'm just thankful you guys are who you are, that you let these youth get up there and express what God's dealing with them. Some of these people have grown a foot, two foot this weekend. Amen. And uh, you're getting to see the progress of your youth group here. I've got another young man who's preached once before for you. He's going to get up there tonight, and he's going to share God's Word with you. And, uh, Steve, you want to get up here and get ready to roll? We got you down. Okay. Um, yeah, like you said, I've been up here once before, but I... Tonight we're going to be in Judges, and we're talking about the uh, story of Samson, and I'm going to speak this over to his body. It's um, Judges 16, I do believe. Okay, so... Get that in that. Um, we start out with. Um, I'm actually going to start out in 15, but I lied. So we start out with a, a quick summary of 15 and 16. So Samson is a uh, Nazarite, and that basically means that I think in this text it means that the freer of his people, which are the Israelites. And um, so he's born, and these Nazarites can't uh, drink any alcoholic uh, beverage, uh, no beer, no wine. Uh, kind of sounds like a Baptist. Um, but um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but no beer, no wine. They can't even they can't even eat like a dried grape. So no raisins either. So um, starts out, and his mother was barren. And they pray for a child, and that's what makes them so special. I mean, uh, kind of like, um, yeah, was, couldn't have kids, and she had Samson because God allowed her to. But um, starts out, and he's a Nazarite, and I already said that in my bed. But um, so he is uh, very strong. So he sums out, and he's. Um, in 15, he did something with a riddle, and he was at his wedding, and he married a, Philist, a Philistine girl, and he uh, made a riddle that if if um, all the guests could figure out what uh, it was something to do with what tasted sweet but came out of uh, a carcass or something. And it was basically honey out of a lion. And they didn't guess it, so they had to give him like 30 linens and 30 um, like pieces of clothing or something. But that's not exactly what we're on today. We're on the part where it starts out. He goes, and Samson had a... He's just killed a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. And this... Uh, the meaning for this was 
He made the Philistines angry because he burned their grain. And then the Philistines retaliated by killing his wife and father. So he goes and kills a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. And then we go down to uh, chapter 16 in which he goes to Gaza, which is a Philistine town, I would presume, because he went there and he saw a prostitute. So he naturally went and spent the night with her. Um, but uh, So while he's staying with this prostitute, the Philistines hear that he's in town. So they're like, oh, let's go kill our enemy now that he's sleeping with this prostitute. So they plan to kill him in the morning, and Samson, being smart, he um, leaves in the middle of the night. So he leaves Gaza, and before he leaves, he rips out the uh, the gates of Gaza. So that shows his tremendous strength. He like rips it right out of the ground. So then he goes to the valley of, uh, I believe it's like Sorak or something. Um, Sorik or some Hebrew word. Um, so he falls in love with Delilah. So Philistines pay Delilah to find out what his strength is, which we all know is not his hair, but God. So um, he tells her all these lies to try to like he came like up with a game about it. He's like, okay, so you like get me these fresh seven thong things and then tie it in my hair, and then I'll be as weak as a man. Uh, so they do that, and then he basically tricks her, and he does that three times with like new ropes and then braiding on a loom. So these are basically just like not not really tests, but they are. I mean, they're just kind of a game. So. Samson finally tells a secret after Delilah just like nag, 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 nag. I mean, I mean that's what it even says. It says they nagged, nagged him. I mean, he even he was vexed to death, so he wanted to die. So um, that sounds like normal, but no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, so the Philistines arrest him and. Uh, I think the reason that he uh, Samson actually stayed with Delilah this long is because I think he had a woman problem because it was just I think he just lusted after women. So I mean, when you think of lusting, you think of I think of using your eyes and you see it, you see it. I mean, that's I lust with my eyes, I guess. So. Um, they actually gouge out his eyes, which is kind of ironic. Um, but they bound him in shackles and made him grind corn in a prison. Uh, but his hair actually began to regrow because she shaved it off, as we all know. But um, Gaza, uh, after they arrested him, they took him down to Gaza and basically placed him in a prison, which... Probably isn't fun. So they placed him in the prison, grinding, and then I think they took him to a temple, their temple of Dagon or something, their god, and they placed him on display to entertain them, which was actually, Gaza was actually a pretty um, interesting place in the story because Gaza was a place of great uh, strength where he ripped out the gates, 
But then he he also uh, was placed uh, to entertain, which when he lost his strength, so it was also a sign of weakness. So you got the double whammy there. So, so then uh, the Philistines start worshiping their dagging god for delivering Samson into their hands, which Samson's main goal, because he was the Nazarite, was to protect his people from the Philistines, which was their enemies. So, right now, it doesn't really look like he's going to be protecting anybody because he's in prison grinding corn. He's lost his freedom. He's lost all his strength, and he's lost his sight. So he's blind. He's a he's a blind prisoner. That is weak. So, um. So um. From the beginning, he was set apart because he was a Nazarite. So, at the end of the story, we'll get to uh, where it's kind of ironic because um, they say they say in this verse, I think it is verse 24. They say, when the people saw him, they rate, they praised their God, saying, "Our God, lowercase, has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste on our land and multiplied." Multiplied or slain. So, what's kind of ironic about that is um, our God delivered Samson over to them. So, which in all reality, it would have been our God, capital with capital G, delivered him over to complete his mission in life. So. Um, After being in prison, I'd say, uh, after losing his strength, his sight, and his freedom, and being in prison grinding corn, he finally got to the point where he figured out it wasn't all about him. So um, he basically became humbled. So um, whether we... He was basically a very prideful person. His strength uh, was basically consumed him, and um, there was a word we looked up earlier that I cannot remember, but um, it was basically, oh, it was lust, that's the word. It's something that overwhelms, uh, it's like an overwhelming uh, force or something that comes over the body. So, like, um, so... He was, uh, he had lust, of, he, basically a lust of strength, I would say, because he kept on, he kept on getting stronger, because he was strong in the first place, and he just kept killing people, I mean, so, you keep on, th- the more people you kill in the Old Testament, the higher your pride is, I think, at least for Samson, but, um, he finally humbled himself, which was a big wake-up call to him, because, I mean, Okay, you're super strong one day. The next day, catch your hair and um, let's see, you're blind, you have no freedom, and you're weak. So um, a giant wake-up call there because he could do nothing now. So He was humbled because... Okay, my next point is uh, we can either like humble ourselves or... Like, be humbled by God. But, I mean, it's, um, 
I would rather humble myself than go through one of these wake-up calls like um, Samson did. I mean, not that we would go blind and lose our freedom and um, become weak. I mean, but I mean, have a family member die. I mean, lose someone very close to you. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that God can do to get your attention on the onto Him, because the ultimate thing in our life is not ourselves, not our own pride, but to glorify God. So that's what that's what we're made to do. So that's what God eventually is going to have us do. We're going to glorify Him in some way. So. But the entire point of his strength was not to, uh, not given by him, not like lifting weights or anything, which most people do. I mean, not taking steroids or anything because they didn't have them. But like, it was all God. That's all it was. God created the strength. He was the source of the strength. When he cut his hair, he lost his strength. I mean, that's the point. And then I came up. I can't. I, I thought of the thing. We're going to be humbled one way or another. So it's kind of like the, the old saying, I guess. We can either be the easy way or the hard way. I mean, we can either do it the way God wants us to do, listen to the Bible, listen to the preacher. Listen, I mean, do things that he intentionally shows us to do, or we can be humbled the hard way in which Samson was. I mean, the entire point of lust in this story Lust is what overcame Samson. He uh, he fell in love with Delilah, which I don't think it was really love. It was more like leading on, which is kind of mean. I'm sure a lot of people go through that. But um, <laughs> it's used in everyday life. I mean, if you think you think about it, you see it every day. Look at TV. Look, I mean. You see lust on TV every day. I mean, look at commercials. Look at movies. Look at. I mean, go to school. Go to work. You're going to see lust everywhere. I mean, if it's intentional or not, you're going to see it. But that doesn't mean that we should give in to our temptation of lust. Because God will never allow us to face temptation that we can't handle. So... I mean, like Job, like everybody, his whole family died. And all the temptation of him just cursing God, just curse him and then you'll die. So it'll all be over. But no, he didn't do it. He was a very righteous man. But the entire point of this lust of being a powerful duel, or duel, my bad, tool, um, tool of Satan, I mean, we need to build up our walls of faith and strengthen our relationship with God. So when we are tempted, um, we can go on life knowing that like we are safe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we don't have to worry about temptation of Satan because we're already saved. So even if we do sin and fall into lust, well, we still have Jesus Christ, and we still repent, and we still, I mean, it's kind of moving, thinking about it up here on the pulpit. I see why pastors cry.
Uh, yeah, but I'm saying that we should humble ourselves before that's, yeah. We have to humble ourselves because the the world is not humbled. It's a very evil place. So, and we're set apart because we're Christians. So, we're different. We're Christ's image. We're His people. So, therefore, we should be Christ-like. Are we always Christ-like? No. We're human. We're, we have a sinful nature. We're not going to be Christ-like. But our, we should at least try. That's the entire point. We try to be as much like God as we can without... Because we can't be perfect. We can't be perfect, no. Because we're, we have sin. Even if we were perfect, if we committed no sin we would still have sin. <laughs> I mean, you can't really not have sin. So, I'm kind of running out of points, so I'm just going to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Bonsoir. I'm going to do this in a, in a two-part thing. The first part I'm going to do is just give a report on what's going on in Haiti. And then I've got something to talk about at the end. Uh, I went down this time with BGR again, Baptist Global Relief. And it's an uh, organization that goes into uh, places that have natural disasters and, and try, to, try to bring some relief uh, to the people there. Uh, BGR went in right after the earthquake two years ago, and to this point, they've built right around 2,000 homes for, for people down there, which is a tremendous thing. Uh, on our way back, we ran into some people that, that were with Habitat for Humanity, and they were talking about, they were just down there with Jimmy Carter and his wife, Rosalind, and he was uh, bragging about all the homes they built. They've built 5,000 homes, but the difference is, not once did they share Jesus Christ. Not once. Uh, not to brag, we did that. So, uh, Unfortunately, uh, BGR has to draw a line somewhere. And at the end of December, they're pulling out of Haiti. So BGR's support and building in Haiti will end in December. Fortunately for me, when I found out, I, I was really depressed. Not that we should ever be depressed. God's, God's in control. But for a, a brief moment, I was depressed that this was the end. Maybe I would never go back to Haiti again. But fortunately, we had uh, three men that went down with us from Springfield as representatives from the IBSA, and their sole mission was to find new opportunity in Haiti. So they, they didn't build a thing all week, but they went to different ministries and probably met with four or five different pastors and went all around the area of Port-au-Prince looking for opportunities, looking for places to stay and, and things like that. And they, they came up with some, with some tremendous opportunities. 
Uh, my understanding is IBSA is planning five more trips. Judy, is that next year? Five more trips next year. Uh, the first of which being in March, which is full, but my name's on the list anyway. I told Bob to uh, go ahead and pencil me in. So, if you get the opportunity, this will change your life. It will change your life. Uh, it's, it's kind of ironic, not really, because God's in control, as I said, but, but to do this report on the same night as, as a youth fits right hand in hand because the youth of Haiti, I mean, just broke my heart this time. I went down last year in October, and we built a house, and that's what I went to do. I went to build a house. I went to do a service project, and that's what I did. We worked and worked. And, well, some of us worked and worked and worked. Others of us had it right the first time. I was determined this time I was going to do work, but not all physical labor. I was going to try to impact lives this time. And, and that's what I did. I told them in the meeting when we met, and please don't take this the wrong, the wrong way, but I said, I don't want to sound like a slacker, but I'm not going to build a house. I'm going to build relationship, and I will carry block, and I will shovel sand, but most of the time I'm, I'm going to be sitting in the shade, and I'm going to have kids and people around me this time. I missed that last time. Those of you that did that, hats off to you because it, 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 changes, you, it changes your whole outlook. Uh, John, if you could put that, that picture up there. The song tonight, My Own Little World. Uh, this is Son Lay. He's a 13-year-old boy that I met. And if you haven't been to Haiti, it's a very, very, very poor country. And a lot of the kids that you meet, the English that they know is, you give me, you give me, you give me a dollar, you give me your glasses. This boy here kind of stood in the back and didn't ask for anything. And I just picked him out right away. And he didn't speak very much English. According to him, he didn't speak any. But we communicated all week. My, my Creole is, is pretty darn good. <laughs> I'm probably the equivalent of a two-and-a-half-year-old. So <laughs> but my own little world. I consider my own little world my family, church family, my community. Uh, my world has become population too. This is the face of Haiti for me. Sanle. Sanle has no parents. His parents were killed. He lives with his aunt and I believe two cousins. And they live in a house not much bigger than the sound booth back there. And it's not one of the nice BGR little bitty houses. It's it's probably worse than anything you would have on your property that you would think needed to be torn down. And this is where this young man lives. Uh, he does not go to school because he can't afford the uniform. I was sitting down with Saleh one day, and we were talking back and forth, and I asked him, Zami Jezi, which means, do you love Jesus? And he said, we. And I asked him, I said, do you go to church? And he said, no, I don't go to church. And uh, one of the, the men that runs things down there, his name is Thomas. I called Thomas over and I said, Thomas, this young man doesn't go to church. 
I want you to make sure he goes to church. And he said, well, he doesn't go to church. And that was about break time, so we had to break, and we went back to a little store where we got Cokes and stuff. And I got Thomas again, and I said, Thomas, you need to make sure uh, this young man gets to church. And he said he doesn't have the right clothes. And I, I, I kind of shook my head, and I called somebody else over. I said, come here, because apparently I don't understand Thomas. Thomas says this young man can't go to church because he doesn't have the right clothes. And they go, no, that's right. I go, oh, hold on. Come here. Somebody else, come here, because I'm not getting this. And they told me if they don't have nice leather shoes, dress pants, and a collared shirt, they are not allowed into church. And the love of Jesus did not come over me at that point. I mean, I, I was mad. I was ready to knock heads together. And I was just fuming and fuming. And I asked Thomas, I said, did the clothes have to fit? Because this young man will be wearing a double extra large here in about two minutes. And uh, Martin Rowe, which some of you may know, kind of chimed in and said... uh, Thomas, if we gave you money, could you make sure this, this young man gets clothes? And he said, yes, we can do that. And uh, so we took up a collection, not just for Sanlay, but for uh, several kids, and said, we need to make sure that these kids get clothes to go to church because it, it still infuriates me. And I can't quote chapter or verse, but we all know the verse where Jesus says, you know, don't keep the little children away. And here here they are in Haiti, keeping the little children away just because they don't have the right clothes. And that tore me up. Tore me up to no end. To the point where I need to do something about that. And I don't know what it is yet. It may be when I go back in March, having a suitcase full of dress pants, dress shirts, shoes, whatever it takes, because I cannot imagine walking up to a 13-year-old boy and saying, Saleh, you're going to go to hell because you don't have the right clothes. I just cannot imagine that. I wore this shirt, not that it's fancy, but I made this myself. It's got a welding paint marker on the front and back, and it's John 14.6, a little part of it. Jésus répond lui, men mwen ki chamen, men mwen ki verote, men mwen ki lavai. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And they loved this shirt because they could read it. You wouldn't believe how many people would come up to me and they'd see the front of my shirt and they'd read it. And Jesus answered. And I said, Look at the back. Jesus just just didn't answer. Jesus answered, I am the way. No other way. No other way for us. No other way for Haitians. No other way for anyone. Jesus is the only way. Uh, I'm going to pray now, but I'm going to pray in the Haitian style. So if it sounds a little repetitive (laughs) or a little different, Just bear with me. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I want to lift up the children here as well as in Haiti, as well as everywhere around the world. I want you to reach down and provide them with opportunity. Opportunity to know you. Opportunity for someone to step in and introduce them to Jesus Christ. Give those that go down the ability to glorify you, to draw everyone near. I ask that you give me victory over self. Give me power over the stumbling blocks that are placed. And give me liberty over sin. And I ask this in our Holy Father's name. Amen.